0: Jazz shares her big news, Sephora and drunk elephant tweens are taking over, and has social media documentation gone too
1: far? I'm Maggie Zhao. And I'm Jasmine Wallace, and you're listening to Culture Club, where we chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wandjeri,
0: Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would
1: like to pay our respects to elders past and present. We would also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we're continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This is the first episode of Culture Club for 2024 New Year. Same podcast, same host. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. So excited to be back behind the mic with you. God, Earlier than I thought, which is great.
0: Yeah, we're so happy that we got um, to sneak a good holiday in, but also be back, be back to, you know, all our favorite habits in January. Um, So it's nice to be back. Nice for both of us to be back in the same country, in the same city, Mm because Jazz, you've been Miss Jet Setter for the last little while.
1: Yeah, I spoke about it briefly before I left, but I spent a month in, um, a week in Paris, two weeks in Scotland, or well, two and a half weeks, and then a couple of days in England at the very end. And at the very, like, literally last minute of the trip, my boyfriend actually proposed to me. <laughs>
0: Yes, you heard that right. We have a bride to be on this. <laughs> Congratulations again for the millionth time, Jazz. How ah, I can see the wedding ring in the our recording? <laughs> oh my god, I still am freaking out on your behalf. This is the most incredible news. I know our listeners are equally freaking out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise because we have been together for eight years in March and it felt like the right time and everything. I may have been sending a few little mm-hmm. inspo pics over the last like year or so. So we were in our hometown of Stroud, England, which is like in the Cotswolds um, in Gloucestershire, if anyone knows it. And kind of, I don't know if I've ever told our like backstory on the podcast before. No, I don't think but so. But a quick synopsis for people who are like, wait. You're Australian, but you're from the hometown in England. My little sister and I were born in the UK in that town. When I was like two, my mum needed some child binding and she actually hired this woman named Fleur who had two boys of her own. One of them is my now fiance. Oh. So we've known each other since we were tiny. But then when I was four, we moved to Australia. He stayed in England. And we grew up, you know, went to school in different countries and whatever. We knew of each other. Him and his family actually came over in 2003. So he was like 11 and I was seven or something. Then when I was 18, went to London, was feeling a bit homesick over East Long weekend. So I called his mom and was like, can I come see you? Like out in the, in the Cotswolds. He was still living at home at that point. He was like 21. And so then we met as adults. Didn't think much of it. um, But we like, we had different partners and everything. um, But that's when we like met properly then I moved to Melbourne I'd been here for like a year and then he messaged me and was like I'm moving to Melbourne we should totally catch up and I was like oh my god yes I'll take you to this party um you can meet some people and then that night we ended up just like dancing all night and that was eight years ago and now I have a freaking diamond on my finger (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it was very special and very emotional to have it happen in our hometown because it's like such a pit dress, little village, English village with like cottages and stuff. And it was like up on this hill um, on a beautiful like winter, sunny day. And it was like he was so casual that morning that I was like trying to um, talk myself down. I was like... I was like, oh, this would be so perfect. It was the only day without, like, family commitments because we were Mm. actually there for grandma's 100th (laughs) birthday. And I was like, you know, like, this would be perfect, but don't get your hopes up because there's a lot going on. We're leaving on Thursday. He might not have the ring and da, da, da. So then when it actually happened, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then we had, like, a champagne lunch and celebrated with his family um, which was really, really special because now we've gotten to come home and celebrate with my side of the family, so it was very us and very perfect, and we're very yeah! happy, and he did very well with the ring like i can't I actually can't stop staring at it oh (laughs) it's almost obnoxious how much I'm looking at
0: (laughs) oh no it's perfect and it's just so you and that story (laughs) just sent more shivers fresh (laughs) shivers down my spine I'm like when is the movie when is the movie coming out when when is it when's when where's the Sally Rooney book but like not depressing
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not depressing. I mean, there was a period where it was depressing in COVID, long distance life. So true. Um, but I also want to talk about your reaction, you and the girls. <laughs> so this is so funny. I I messaged you probably like a day or two after it happened and I put you in a group chat with two other girlfriends, Lizzie yeah. and Grace. And you guys know, you know each other, like you're friends, and we're all in the same book club. And like every birthday, like we always have dinner together with a few other girls. Um, and I was like, I know it's going to be so sus, like randomly putting them all in a group chat, asking if they want to catch up for coffee the weekend that mm-hmm. I'm home. But then like, what did you think? Oh, sorry. The
0: day after you arrive. So, okay. <laughs> okay. So you're right. We're all friends, me, Lizzie and Grace, except we're not um close friends. Like we've never hung out in this particular four before, right? So alarm bells ringing. Secondly, <laughs> Jazz and i already had plans to see each other after she came back but oh what's this she's planned to see us the morning uh like the morning after she lands so we're like (laughs) something's happening but of course like i i don't know i don't know we didn't want to ask i did message lizzie straight away and we're like do we think she's engaged all caps misspellings everywhere um and then the morning of you know i arrived early and we're like okay whatever we're going to get flowers because we think it's happening but if not we can just say that there I miss you flowers (laughs) um and then when like because we rocked up at the cafe you're sitting there and our eyes go instantly to your hands and they are empty and I was like like did we misread this and I don't know about you if I don't know if you could see it but I was a bit mortified being like oh my god like did we make a mistake like I hope this doesn't like amplify your disappointment of not getting <laughs> proposed overseas um and then like literally like 30 40 minutes into our interaction you put us out of our misery yeah. you surprised us like midway through a story and like pulled out your <laughs> ring and I lost it it was such
1: yeah I'm really glad that I did it that way because I was so excited when it happened that I wanted to call everyone from overseas And Laurie was like, let's just, like, stay in our little bubble and, like, we can – it'll be so much nicer to tell people in person. And I was like, okay, very true. So I was so patient. I felt like keeping this huge secret. Um, But the big reveal was, like, I got this purse in Paris and it was empty at the time. And I'd kept yeah. it hidden like until that point and like was like, Oh, do you like this purse I got? Like it's my souvenir from overseas that I bought for myself. What a treat. Yeah. And I put my hand in and I like, quickly put the ring on my finger, like in the purse. I was like, and I brought another souvenir home and like the way you guys all scream every <laughs> single person on the street was looking, but it was so lovely. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Like, literally one of the best moments of my life I think telling you guys just so like oh. pure joy and love and yeah was, and since then it's been really nice Let's like slowly telling people and like seeing people in person telling the girls in the office in person um they also scream just as loud
2: yes
1: <laughs> so yeah it's a really special time and it feels even more special given the long-distance stuff and, like, what we went through during COVID. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very grateful to have so many people in our life who are so happy for us and care so much because it is, like, a very personal thing. Like, I don't expect people to care about this, you know what I mean? Like, it's something between us, but it's really special to have so much love around us, definitely in the love bubble. So, yay, What's the celebrations to come. Oh, my God. <laughs> look at you fiance <laughs> that still feels so weird to say and to be and like literally uh-huh. every day i said laurie i'm like wait we're getting married or like we're fiancés. and like this is so yeah it feels really grown up i'm 27 I'm gonna be 28 oh this year gosh. so it's not like i'm not a child bride <laughs> but um yeah it feels really like grown up basically
0: <laughs> oh yeah, the next few months are going to be so fun, so full on, but in the best ways. I was literally thinking about it yesterday <laughs> in the shower. I'm like, la la la, la just <laughs> getting married. <laughs> is she? Is she gonna do a yeah. hand? Like, <laughs> I was like, when? I was like, oh, is it? Gonna, I was like, oh, is it a month or two yeah. before the wedding? Like, <laughs> I literally was thinking. I just keep thinking about this. I'm like, as as you can tell, like, it was just all so excited for you. It's just. It's just so nice yes. to have something so giddy and fun to look forward to. That's just like pure yeah. like
1: love and oh, happiness. Oh, you are gonna make me cry again. <sighs> I know it is a very <laughs> special time. <laughs> i And like, like yeah, you're right. Like oh, so pure and yeah, like just it totally is about love, which is really nice. So get the Pinterest boards out. We're mm-hmm. ready in my bride era.
0: <laughs> in your bride era. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was cute um so aside from january being summertime over here christmas break etc it's also award season and i feel like this award season has fed us some incredible moments and incredible content would you agree yes this one felt
0: quite meme as well <laughs> oh i sound like a <laughs> general Xer or something um but it was quite of a funny one. I felt like there was a lot of joy, a lot of incredible well-deserved wins this year as well. So it did feel quite fun and Mm. light-hearted. Lots of good moments that we want to talk
1: about. I think there's no denying that this award season was the season of Ayo Adebri. Would you agree?
0: Oh, are you kidding me? Yes, 100%. She won multiple awards. She, honestly, I can't get over her fashion, Mm. to be honest. I think that's one of my Favorite things. I always love seeing what looks she's pulling out next. Um, and she had that really funny line in one of her mm. acceptance one of one of her acceptance speeches that was like, I'd really love to thank my manager's assistants and everyone who actually answers my emails. Um
1: we love that. Like she's so funny. She's the people's princess. There was also the moment where she was asked like, what would you say to younger AO who like dreamt of moments like this? She's like, "She, uh, young me didn't dream of this moment. She dreamt of like dental insurance and um, optometry and stuff like that, um, which is so real, especially in America.
0: Yeah, and then the one that you
1: also sent me. See, this is what I mean. They are never ending. Another meme-worthy moment for me personally, maybe this is like, me being a bit millennial, but I loved the Ryan Gosling reaction when he – well, when I'm Just Ken won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Original Song. It's just going to be like the new like shocked gif reaction for like the next probably four years. Oh, yeah, so true. <laughs> so I'm Just Ken beat out um other songs from Barbie like Dance the Night and um, What Was they Made For. And then there was also the Jack Black song Peaches from the Super Mario movie. Um, Road to Freedom in Rustin and this wish from Disney's Wish. But he seemed very shocked that he won. It, it's a great song, very catchy. Mm. Oh, yeah, a cultural moment for sure.
0: Um, speaking of Ryan Gosling, his PR team, but not even his PR team. I just want to say his goodwill, him as a good person, has been working overtime. I don't know if, if you saw this video, um, but at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, Steve Carell had a speech and it kind of like centered on Ryan Gosling and the story of his.
1: So had, have you heard, did you see this? No, I totally missed this. Okay.
0: It's like the most heartwarming thing. We'll play it now.
3: <clears throat> it was the end of a shooting week and we were standing outside our trailers and uh, we're getting ready to leave for the weekend and talking about what our weekend plans would be. And I was going to be spending uh, a quiet evening and weekend with my family and Brian told me that his band had a gig that evening. Where I asked, a senior center in Glendale. <laughs> he was going to spend his Friday night playing music for some old folks in Glendale. Yeah, isn't that just adorable? <laughs> now, a movie star would have told that story on a talk show. Would have used it, would have gotten some juice out of it. Monetized it. Maybe it goes viral as a a gif or a meme. (laughs) Hashtag, Ryan at the Senior Center. But not Ryan Gosling. He did it just to make some old folks happy. And I find that annoying as hell.
1: I feel like Ryan Gosling is definitely like the nicest guy in Hollywood. I know. And like touch
0: wood, I hate saying things like that. I know. <laughs> then things come out at the time of recording. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. No, the way he loves his daughters and um, his wife, Eva Mendes, and also his reaction to uh, Joe Coy's bombs of jokes that were at the Golden Globes. We all oh. know those stories um yeah i made an awful sexist joke about barbie and ryan's face was not impressed as it would be
0: i'd never heard of the host before in my life and after his terrible jokes i'm glad i don't know anything else
1: yeah i didn't even bother like research like looking into him i was like screw this guy (laughs)
0: There's a new contender for the Song of the Summer and that is Ariana's yes and the Queen of Pop and racial ambiguity has, <laughs> has finally released new music in what seems like the, like after the longest
1: hiatus. <laughs> So the pop anthem, Yes And, interpolates Madonna's Vogue and it's a catchy earworm that speaks to the tabloids and rumours about her new boyfriend, Ethan Slater, who is also known as SpongeBob SquarePants because that's who he played on Broadway. Um, People also say that he looks like Ariana's brother, Frankie Grande. Um, There was Mm -hmm. a lot of controversy around this last year when... um, the maths wasn't mathing and um the timelines weren't adding up. And uh Ethan Slater's ex partner actually said that Ariana's not a girls girl. She basically broke up their family. They have a young son who's like under two years old. Um it was very messy and I guess Ariana has come back swinging into the pop world because she did take a long Mm. time off music to um, film the movie Wicked, which is where she met Ethan and also work on her beauty brand. Um, What do you think of the song? I have
0: listened to it a few times now. First listen, I was like, eh, but every listen since I'm like, yeah, "Yeah." what a jam. Like I'm like in the car driving yesterday and it came on and it was super fun to, to listen to. I also watched the music video yesterday, which was like very interesting. I think it very much ties into the themes of like her trying to push back against critics and the general public and social media. It's like quite on the nose with that. What are your thoughts on the song?
1: Yeah, I first heard it in my layover in between uh, London and Australia, mm. and it was like very good energy. I was like, "Oh, this is fun." Um, definitely big Vogue energy. But since then, I've actually I actually found it quite like like it's such an earworm. Like I listened to it just before you came on to get the lyrics and stuff, and re- like re-listen, yeah. and it's stuck in my head, and it's actually quite annoying. <laughs> But, like, it's, yeah, I mean, all power to her. Like, it's catchy and it's a good pop song. It's got a funky beat. So I think it's a good Mm – I think it's a strong comeback.
0: Yeah, but, like, it's interesting to see people uh, get really fired up about the lyrics and, um, I guess, the whole message of Mm -hmm. the song, which is really pushing back on the controversies that she's been in quite explicitly as well. You know, she's, like – essentially being like in the bridge, she says, don't comment on my body. Do not reply. Your business is yours and mine is mine. Why do you care so much
1: whose dick I write? Like, can you be more (laughs) explicit than that? Yeah. Look, it's quite on the nose. I think this stance is very interesting. Objectively looking at it from like a celebrity analysis lens, Ariana has always made her love life available to us as consumers and Mm -hmm. listeners and fans she literally has a track called pete davidson uh on her 2018 album Mm -hmm. sweetener and she famously got engaged to him after like months and which is fine like she's allowed to do what she wants but you can't then say like why do you care it's like this is basically Mm. your brand now as well Mm. um she spoke about All of her, like she named all, like nearly all of her exes on Thank You Next and then spoke about her marriage hopes and how she only wants to do it once. She obviously had a very public breakup and tragic grief that she had to navigate publicly with Mac Miller. She then gets married to like a normie, quote unquote normie, posts the wedding photos and we're like, great, like, you know, she got her like, got my marriage and whatever, like she said in Thank You Next. Now they've split up in a very like, it was like a very tabloidy gossipy, situation so of course the tabloids are going to speak about it Mm. i don't know i don't know why she but i guess she's probably playing into it as well she's not silly and Mm. her team aren't silly so like we're now talking about this if it was just like a vague song we'd be like oh cool like a new pop song but like she's going into different details in her lyrics therefore we're talking about it therefore more people might listen to the song etc etc it's like a vicious cycle Mm. i guess Oh, completely. It's almost like
0: a diss track to mm. us, like as a, her audience. And you are right; it is fueling this co- same conversation. I don't think it shuts down, like any talk of her. You're right; it does. It's doing the opposite. We are now even more so, like diving into her lyrics and what she said in the past. Yeah,
1: this was also discussed in an Instagram post for The Swaddle, which is an Indian publication, titled "Is Homewrecking a Feminist Issue?" and it reads. The controversy surrounding Ariana Grande's relationship with Ethan Slater raises questions about the intersection of personal relationships, public scrutiny, and feminist perspectives. Is labeling Grande a home wrecker unfeminist? And more importantly, does it really matter? Some argue that the term disproportionately targets women and perpetuates outdated gender norms, holding them responsible for relationship issues. Others contend that scrutinizing women's actions in relationships is a distraction from more pressing feminist concerns, emphasizing the need for broader discussions on gender equality.
0: They end, All in all, it seems clear that feminist perspectives are increasingly co-opted by celebrity discourse, and the public is increasingly analyzing individual actions more than systemic issues through a feminist lens. Where do we go from here?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with this, but I kind of think they're almost – I think they're quite separate, don't you? Mm, That
0: is true. I think I love the discussion Mm. on, like, the term homewrecker and who that is applied to. I literally cannot think of a man who's, like, really given that title. I still think we can critique and like look at the actions of celebrity because a lot of the time they do point to broader social opinions um that we hold um but yeah it is i think that was that is a good reminder to sometimes branch out just from like the, the niche of very specific celebrity stories that we focus on and realize
1: that there's more happening So I was pretty offline during my month away um, and I came back online, kind of like plugged into like what was happening in online discourse. And this was the biggest story, like so many TikToks um, and think pieces, et cetera. So of course, Culture Club is going to talk about it. And that is the Drunk Elephant and Sephora Gen Alpha story. It almost sounds so funny
0: when you hear it together. Um, but yeah, this has been the topic and focus of internet, of much internet discourse recently. And it is about the rise of young children. So, so you know, post-Gen Z, Gen Alphas, who are becoming like really obsessed with brands like
1: Drunk Elephant and going to beauty retailers like Sephora. So a lot of these TikTok videos commenting on pre-teens basically buying Drunk Elephant have been going viral. They've been going so viral that Drunk Elephant actually responded and posted an Instagram post with the text, can kids and tweens use Drunk Elephant? The caption read, yes, many of our products are designed for all skin, including kids and tweens. First, I would stay away from our more potent products that include acids and retinols. The skin does not need these ingredients quite yet.
0: (laughs) Uh that's not so weird to find on the Instagram and to like read those words um from my personal ex- experience using Drunk Elephant I am a fan of the brand except they have strong products mm. like those are a sometimes product for me and I have to be very careful when using majority of their products so
1: <laughs> what is happening? And they're expensive. Yes. I've never used it because I'm like, well, I don't like I've never trialed it. I don't know how it's gonna work on my skin. So I'm not gonna drop $120 on a serum that I'm not sure about that will work like they're known to be quite strong, so I'm not gonna do that. And then there's like these little kids are they asking for drunk elephant for Christmas. That's what made me like the most kind of sad, I guess. Mm. Is like like ten year olds being like, I want skincare because I'm like scared of aging or whatever. On the flip side, I also remember being like a preteen and having the make mm. like little makeup. You know, remember the cell phone, like makeup, like plastic things with like yes. eyeshadow and like lip gloss and um, lip smackers was such a big thing. But they're things you'd mm-hmm. buy. You could buy them at a news agency. You could buy them like at the supermarket. It's not like this tailored, expensive skincare that's for adults, even Sephora. It's an
0: interesting one because this conversation feels quite dystopian, but in some ways, like you have kind of mentioned, it's just expanding on our personal experiences. So like when we were tweens, that was, um, yeah, kind of like, Fun makeup products, Mm. but I guess skincare in many ways is like the new kind of frontier of beauty. So it's like, oh, like, okay, I understand my kids are interested in it if that's what they're seeing now. Like, I don't know, I didn't watch too many of these, but I know a lot of um of our generation did. But like YouTube makeup tutorials, they were like the height of like interest uh growing up. And now, you know, you've got TikTok and and
1: preventative Botox Mm. and everything. So that the yeah, that is probably what they are seeing. Yeah, it's quite scary. And you do also, I think, have to uh, put some responsibility on the parents here. For example, mm. um, in one TikTok from a Sephora employee, she shares how a young girl came through her line and racked up just under $900 in different products, including two perfumes, which were $150 each. When it came time to pay, the girl obviously didn't have enough cash on her, so she waited until her mum, who was busy paying for her sister's um $500 purchase at the cash register came over to cover the cost so I don't know maybe that was like their. you never know what someone else else's life is like maybe that was like their one birthday Christmas is all intertwined you can have whatever you want it's for and that's it or maybe that is a regular occurrence but I think um I don't like the making fun of the preteen girls Mm. because we especially in the year of the girl of 2023 we have to try Mm. so hard to like not make fun of these kids who are just trying to find themselves in this like capitalist dystopian world it's not their fault but like we have to question the like institutions and the brands and um the people parents i guess who are like enabling it Mm, completely right also
0: saw this really great first person piece in allure it's called Sephora Tweens are Nothing New, and it is written by Shelby Wax. We actually have Shelby to read out some of her piece uh, for us today, so here's Shelby in her own words.
4: While I understand the frustration these adults have faced due to some unruly tweens, barring youths from shopping at Sephora is not only ridiculous, but actually inhibits their ability to play, think creatively, and learn how to take care of themselves. I'm taking this strong stance because I was a Sephora tween myself. One of my favorite activities before showtime was to visit Sephora with my friends. I have distinct memories of walking through those aisles at that age. We are at a moment in our lives where we barely use makeup, our tiny collections at home consisting mainly of CoverGirl mascara and whatever leftovers our mother would let us borrow from their collections. But when we went to Sephora, we entered into a wonderland of play and exploration. Every product we read about in magazines was there for us to try out in real life. We can make our eyes sparkly or smoky with Urban Decay Naked palettes, cover up those hormonal pimples with Benefit Boying Concealer, gloss our lips with Lancome Juicy Tubes, or spritz ourselves with fresh and fruity scents like Marc Jacobs Daisy and Juicy Couture. Anytime I enter a Sephora now at age 30, I get a mini flashback to those years. The world of beauty is something I still love and revere. While I usually enter the store on a mission, there's a hint of that excitement and opportunity to play. Even when I'm going to get something as simple as shampoo, I'll swipe on some eyeshadow, explore some lip shades, or sample a new perfume. I let myself have a bit of fun and lean into that feeling of girlhood, even in the utilitarian experience of restocking my skincare or makeup essentials.
1: The Sephora kids and Drunk Elephant tweens are the Gen Alphas of the beauty industry, the ones that are getting targeted by the beauty industry. But according to the Business of Fashion, Gen Z is being targeted by the anti-aging beauty industry. There was a great article in the Business of Fashion titled, Gen Z is already worried about looking old. And if you go on TikTok for literally two minutes, you will (laughs) know this to be fact. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's a conversation that we've been seeing a little bit more. I think, especially last year, a lot of conversations about like rampant fat phobia and ageism were starting to pick up a lot more. Let's talk about how we feel about it. Like, we are Gen Z. Do we think that this is happening in our real lives, in our actual circles?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I do think that the internet is like a magnifying glass. For culture and societies because I know in my circles I don't know anyone who regularly gets Botox we don't sit around talking about like the latest anti-aging serum at dinner parties but I know internally I do think about it like I can see myself on camera now and like in certain light I can see like a line I've noticed over like the last year a line forming between my eyebrows or like the under eyes of my circles are like getting a bit more hollow and I'm like is that permanent am I just tired do I need to do something about it so those are the questions that are like mm. I'm thinking about personally but I don't think that our circles are particularly like as mm. scared as eight a- of aging as like TikTok would make it out to be what do you think
0: I think I actually agree and the thing is I think youth has always been something mm. to aspire to pre-internet days as well but of course these conversations are ramping up online now and especially like when you see one video you've served another 10 right so it's like yeah I get snippets of that on my own social media feed but it's nothing like it's not oversaturated I do think the more we talk about these things sometimes not not like I mean, we're dissecting, critiquing it, but, like, the more we talk about these words and these lines in our faces, the more we are aware of them. Mm. Like, I don't know, that's one thing that I hate. Like, oh, I learned a new name yes. for, like, a wrinkle I have, and I'm like, oh, cool, that's a thing. Yes. And, like, I, before that, I didn't even know it was a thing. That's what I'm yes. becoming more aware of. Um, I don't know, though. Yeah, I guess I am scared of looking, at, like, old, but – I think a lot of people have felt that to varying degrees just because as we know, like if you're thin, if you're white, if you've got clear skin, blah, 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 like those things help you in life. Like that's just a fact.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'd say that I'm more aware of, yeah, like skin, like acne and body size versus Mm -hmm. like wrinkles. But um, I agree with your point of like finding out there's actually like a medical term for different lines in your face. I was (laughs) like, I think I Googled once like, smile lines on cheeks or something and it was like oh that's the um nabioplasty like lines that deepen as you age i was like oh my god because i started like noticing like subtle subtle lines so yeah it's really and obviously when you google that you're then targeted with like businesses um wanting to do botox Mm -hmm. and stuff So it's kind of scary, but would recommend this article. In it, they speak with the influencer, Emma Brooks, who says she never really worried about aging until she turned 20. I started freaking out, she said. I look different than I did two years ago. How am I going to look in five years?
0: Also, it really adds to the thing of like, do you remember being in high school and people being like, oh, yeah, this is like the hottest Mm. you're going to look. Like this is the best. Like this is the most beautiful you're going to look. And it's only now I look back, I'm like, God, that's, hyper pedophilia number one and also majority of the time so untrue like so untrue in so many different ways you don't know who you are as much like your style evolves like you are literally still growing um yeah it's just like those lies have Fed to this like
1: fear for sure so this sentiment was also written down in an article for fashion journal titled why is gen z so scared of aging by kitty lloyd and kitty was kind enough to read out a snippet of her article so here she is now
2: ironically just like most of gen z i cherry pick what aspects of aging i idolize and what aspects i fear I want to be a coastal grandmother in Nancy myers inspired cream-toned cashmere and live a cosy, slow-paced life, but I'm also going to extreme lengths to keep my face looking plump and spend concerning amounts of time stressed that I'm wasting my 20s. My fear of ageing sits in total contrast to my liberal views on tolerance and body acceptance. However, I find peace in knowing it's deeply human. Immortality has captivated civilizations throughout history. We can find parables on internal youth in great works of fiction, from Greek mythology to Oscar Wilde's and my favourite, 2003's Freaky Friday. Social media has made a habit of catastrophizing life after our 20s or 30s. It acts like your life comes to a screeching halt after a certain milestone birthday, when every rational part of me knows that's not true. Still, we like to categorize some behaviors as acceptable for certain age groups. And tacky for others. It's not just the fear I'm wasting my youth, it's the worry that once it's gone, I'll be shamed if I try and relive it.
1: I love the line about immortality captivating civilizations throughout history. Like we said at the start, this isn't a new fear it just feels like this is the late stage capitalism version of it (laughs) and now there's so Mm. many things that we can buy and get done to our faces and nipped and tucked and like i feel like botox is becoming more normalized like in some ways that's good because i think like people use it for like tight muscles and draw things but in terms of like for cosmetics it's really not as taboo anymore i don't know about you but when i was growing up botox Mm. was like considered only for people like the real housewives or like celebrities it was like Mm. oh my god i would never and now it's like so many people are just so casual like oh yeah i get this many quarts of botox in my face like every quarter or whatever it is i don't know which is good i guess people are being talking about it or like being transparent about the work they get done but on the other hand like that's also normalizing it Yeah, the stats kind of
0: back that up as well. So in that business of fashion piece, um, this Botox startup called Peachy said that Gen Z was its fastest growing cohort and that prevention rather than correction has become the status quo. Um, It's also reflected, I think this is probably more relatable for us, but like skincare products we use. So um, business of fashion also found that 70% of Gen Z people use anti-aging serums daily. And I feel like when I look at like my um, my own uh, skincare routine, you know, anti-aging that term doesn't make sense in itself but if we're thinking about correction of like dark spots mm. and lines and whatever like smear the skin blah 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 that's like a lot that's like a, almost in everything I use you know like from like niacinamide to retinol to or like vitamin c or whatever it might be so it's like yeah that is so ingrained I guess
1: my theory on all of this obviously we're getting sold to like a hundred times more because of social media and ads are getting smarter but i do think that gen z and gen alpha are more obsessed with the way we look and lines prevention etc because of the way we're constantly on camera
0: yeah yeah i mean like imagine not having you're so right like imagine pre smartphone times and even like pre like mobile phones with cameras it's like oh you're literally only seeing yourself in reflective surfaces mirrors and like after like you know digital camera mm.
1: or like a film photo is developed or something like you actually not seeing much of yourself yeah <laughs> yeah at um Laurie's parents house up in Scotland they didn't have many mirrors they I didn't see a full length mirror um for like weeks and they're in their bathroom, there wasn't one on the wall, just the way there's, like, windows above the sink. Um, mm-hmm. So there was, like, a tiny little standing mirror, like a little circle one that you'd have, like, on a bench. And that was the only way I saw my face for weeks. And I didn't wear any makeup. And it was, like, actually so refreshing because, yeah, like in the modern world, we are on Zoom calls. We are taking photos with our friends. We're taking selfies. Uh, we are taking videos of ourselves, especially with TikTok. And I definitely have spoken to you about this before, right? Like when we film for Mm. the podcast in the studio and then we have to go and edit it. I'm like, I'm just not used to seeing myself on video like this. Like it's weird and it makes you pick yourself apart more than when you're just like totally offline. So I think this is definitely contributing to our like insecurities. Yeah.
0: And um so for the last two or so two or more years I haven't had a mirror in my room just because I don't have the space and I don't have a mirror. Um but I've really enjoyed that change. But then on the flip side, like I'm someone who photographs and records myself all the time, like every single day. And it's I I know it's probably a unique situation, but I've gone to, like, a very nice point where it's very, like, mm. neutral. Like, uh, when I, like, take photos myself or record, like, most times this works, but, like, I, I don't feel like I'm even, like, like looking at any flaws. It, it looks like I'm, look, like, the way I describe it is, like, oh, I'm looking through photos and videos of a Aww. friend of mine, right? Like, it's just, like, oh, you're just, like, objectively looking at, like, oh, what's a better photo? Or like, what's a blah, 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 without being, like, wow, I look blah, blah, blah here. Like, you wouldn't do that to a friend. Aww. So
1: that's a great tip actually
0: (laughs) um but obviously easier said than done and that's not always the case
1: well gen alpha they're also known as the ipad kids so i think that they're going (laughs) to be really different and because they've had such different childhoods than what we had we were kind of like the last generation with like the digital world and the outside world um so it's going to be interesting like as they grow up and age and become teenagers and consumers like what trends they're going to start driving For our first recommendations back, Mags, what have you been loving, watching, reading or listening to recently? So much, (laughs) Obvi.
0: All I've been doing is watching movies, I swear to God. But the recommendation I have today is actually just something I read yesterday and it is a newsletter um, by Freya India and the piece was called You
1: Don't Need to Document Everything. So how did you find it, this newsletter?
0: Yeah, it was actually on TikTok, Shit You Should Care About had like a carousel of like reading recommendations and this was one of them. I am someone who really wants to get into like Substacks and newsletters and read more um, on that medium. So I was like, I'm always keeping an eye out. And this piece talks about like social media commentary, uh, kind of like how we interact with our phones in the real world, um, about content creation. Like these are all topics that I love to read. So I was definitely drawn in by its title. Um, and the subhead, which read stop selling your life off so cheaply to strangers. Oofed. As someone whose job is, you know, that, um, (laughs) I I was really intrigued. Um, I want to read out some parts of this piece um, that really resonated or that I found interesting. I think if this generation is on track to regret anything, it will be the time we wasted documenting and editing and filtering and marketing ourselves for social media. Time we will never get back. And anyway, here's the truth. Nobody cares about your life. They really don't. I'm sorry, but they watch your fireworks story for half a second. They hover over your selfie and then swipe to someone else's. They skip through the concert you posted. They look at your life and immediately think about theirs. The people who actually care are the ones you don't need to perform or prove anything to. Strangers don't care about you. And that's a fundamental truth. Social media platforms depend on us forgetting. We'll definitely link the whole piece in the show notes because it covers a lot and I think it was really good because like Freya was quite like a scathing writer and mm. she's like very critical and like her annoyance I think reads really strongly through the page. Um, At times I did find it like a bit high and mighty and stuff but I also know that's a project- projection from myself and you know even that part I just read out about like, you know, nobody cares about your life. Like, that's not something I agree with, but I just found it like an interesting take. And I definitely find morsels of like understanding connection to it. Um, I'm glad we're having these conversations. Yeah. Um, I think the parts where she's talking about like, you know, like what are you actually, what are you losing yeah. from posting so much? And like the, the time, the connection, like, like almost like the unseen and unknowable
1: things that you're missing out on, I think is really important to consider. Yeah, I really like this part that says aspire to be someone who gets so caught up in the moment they forget to share it who protects their personal life while everyone else hands theirs over so freely, who can see the value in a moment without needing strangers to validate it for them. It's a cruel trick of modern life to convince us that everyone cares what we're doing all the time, that everyone is deeply invested in how we live and how we identify and how we feel. I think that people have already started doing this. I think a lot of my circle mm. um, don't live post anymore. I feel like probably five years ago, yeah. everyone was live posting as soon as they were at the cafe or or the cocktail bar or whatever mm. they'd take a photo post it and like remember like people would be like editing it like tagging people like in the moment yeah and now it's more like take the photo and then like upload when you get home or when you're on the tram or you're not in that moment oh my god yeah safety guys just yeah also like people more aware <laughs> of safety and stuff but it's something that I definitely mm. felt as well during the proposal stuff it was very mm. nice to sit with it for like nearly two weeks and tell people like I said at the start tell people in person and also like when I when we caught up at the cafe and you were asking me about my trip I was like telling you things that you didn't know which when I post yeah. even if I got home and posted from my day out in Paris or whatever and posted every single thing I did you would have been like oh yeah I saw that or like how mm. was this thing that I saw you do mm. it was nice to like share things from a trip that was spent mostly offline and you be like oh my gosh i didn't even realize you did that and like you know that i don't know it was just kind of like wow it was felt nice to be um especially yeah. with the proposal it did feel like almost protecting something really really like special mm-hmm. and um in the piece she says things open only happen once twice three times in your life like um i don't know a birth of a baby or something like people will film that and post it the next day. And it's like, that is so pressure. So I totally agree with that. But I also agree with your point of like, it being sometimes a bit high and mighty because fundamentally we do care about strangers' life. That's why social media is so popular and why influencers get so much money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think there is a balance to be struck. And I think as like a generation that has grown up with this technology so readily available, like I actually do think we're actually better Mm. at separating and like being able to like live the best of both worlds uh i don't know i like i think okay to my china trip i didn't take much for i didn't take that many photos or i didn't post that much because social media is like banned there um and yeah i fully 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 enjoyed that but in the same light like i went on the trip to india and i did document a lot and i did post a lot i wouldn't say that that was a less of a trip because i did that and i think um you know when i think about me taking photos it it's under a minute it's a few mm. it's usually a few seconds it's like i can live in both but that like that's not always applicable and i think it's good to keep thinking about mm. like um the ideas that freya india brought to the table um but, yeah, it's not like a black and white thing like she, I think she makes it out to be
1: at times. So much internet talk this episode. <laughs>
0: just know. like an internet
1: cultural analysis podcast.
0: That's like the dream? Yeah, I love that.
1: <laughs> um, anyways, tell me about the
0: recommendation you have for us this week.
1: Before I left for my trip, I was so freaking ambitious with how much I was going to read. I was like, I'm going to this village in Scotland and, like, there's going to be nothing to do. Of course, it ended up being, like, a lot of family time, which was why we were there. Um, So it was really special to spend that much time with people and go on long walks and stuff. Um, But there was a period between Christmas and New Year Where I would go for a walk in the morning, come home for a shower to warm up, and then just get in comfy clothes and lay on the sofa and read. And I read Poor Things by Alastair Gray, obviously the movie of the moment as well. I'm yet to see the movie, but I did really love the book, and I'm glad I read the book before seeing it. Um, So I read this in two sittings because I actually couldn't put it down. It was. Very as similar to the movie, obviously, same plot, um, but very much like a feminist retelling of Frankenstein. I love the fact that it was set in Scotland, in Glasgow, and I was in Scotland. Um, so it felt oh very, like, my God, thematical. Yeah, Like, because we'd been in Glasgow, like, a few days before, um, along all the streets they're talking about and stuff. So that also probably heightened the experience of reading it, I would say. So maybe why I enjoyed it, but um, the full name of the book is actually Poor Things, Episodes from the Early Life of Archibald McCandless, M.D., Scottish Public Health Officer, and it was published in 1992 and won the White Bread Award and the Guardian Fiction Prize in the same year. So even if you haven't heard of it before the movie, um, which I hadn't, I actually got the movie cover, Emma Stone's on the cover. It's very beautiful. I would recommend reading it. Um I know that you are going to borrow it from me on Sunday. Yes. I yes. do want to disclaim that it obviously mm. is set in Victorian times and there's um a section where this like colonial Victorian British man is talking about like people of different races and it's very um mm. colonial hierarchical stuff. So just like a warning there. Um I was like oh god this is rough but um <laughs> In terms of the way, I really like the the style of writing. It feels like a lot older than it actually is. It's only thirty years old. Obviously, they're mm. writing as if they're like in the eighteen hundreds. Um, so it feels like you're reading a classic when it's actually mm. a modern classic. And it's just nice to get lost in the story and not know what is real and what is fiction. Yeah um, which I don't know if the movie is kind of similar.
0: Mm, yes.
1: No, I yeah. would say
0: so. Uh, yeah. Cause I got to watch the movie. I didn't even know it was a book until you told me to be honest until you were like, Oh, I read it. I was like, what? <laughs> um, because yeah, I watched it at the end of last year and I loved it. I loved it a lot. It's like, um, very like weird and funny, um, essentially. And, it was yeah one of the one of my favorite things I've seen in a long time. Wow. Sorry, that's a, I mean that's a bit of a stretch, but it was something that I really enjoyed watching, um, especially for the costuming and Emma Stone mm. is amazing for it. She of course won um, Golden Globes for it as for her performance as well. Um, so
1: yeah, I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much again for letting me borrow it. I can't wait to see it. There are so many good movies at the moment. You can tell it's award mm-hmm. season. I don't know about you, but on my list, I've got Iron Claw, Poor Things. We're going to see Priscilla on Sunday. I still need to see Mean Girls in musical. Um, it was it All of Us as Strangers with yes. Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott? Um, Anyone but You, the rom com. Like oh, yes. so many, and so I'm be spending all my oh. time at movies and all my money. <laughs> yes, good as we should. That brings us
0: to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to
1: us. Um, We so appreciate it as always. And we can't wait for what 2024 will bring. And thank you for always coming back to us. And we love you. Yay. We love you. Happy 2024. Bye-bye. Bye.